Hey everybody, welcome back to CGM Lounge. It's Dominique Landry, one-third of Common Ground Management. Well, actually one-fourth. We got some big news coming up. We'll talk about that next week. But um, yeah, back on CGM Lounge. Last week, we had a really, really great episode. We want to continue that conversation. Um, of course, the co-host, Sam, she's in the building. What's up, hey, Sam? Hey, everybody. What, what, what'd you do this weekend? What's going on? Oh, uh, let's see what I did. Nothing much. Nah. I was going to say, I did a, um, that's not true. I had a birthday party for my baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The youngest one, right? Yes. He turned eight. Eight going on 18. Yes. Yeah, so we had a little party for him. And then, so, I mean, as a, as a black mom right now, was that an extra special birthday, given off the current climate, or? Absolutely. Um, you know, he's, he's a really, he's a special child. I'm not just saying that because he's mine. But, you know, we have plans on having, you know, a pool party. Mm -hmm. And so, he was able to adjust and, you know, understand what was going on. So, you know, it, it was special to me because it's like, okay, my baby is maturing. He's, yeah. you know understanding and you know despite what we were going through we still had a really good time and he wanted to go to florida but we... he wanted to go to florida <laughs> yes so we're still planning that trip hopefully before the year is out but, i mean do my but, play yeah, like no, i said he's too smart <laughs> you can't lie to these kids what you mean you just drive cool. around in a circle for about six hours pull up at the lakes well i would probably fall asleep before. <laughs> pull up at the lakes pull up, pull up the ocean city maryland <laughs> we made it we here? No? Alright. Uh, like, that ain't it? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, like we said, today is a follow-up of last week's episode um, where we talked about the current climate in the country, what's going on, and um, we had a special guest out in Cali, Larry, kind of give his perspective of being from the West Coast, but also living through the 92 uh, riots in LA. And so today, another special guest um, we can't go into too much detail about um, him as a, as a person, but Jesse's a very trusted source, known him for a long time. John, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself, man? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for coming in. Um, and the reason why we brought John in is because he has experience um, with law enforcement, and uh, we brought him into the city today just to give a perspective, A, being the climate that we're facing now, but also... You know, his experience you know, on the other side of, I guess what we could say, like a conflict that's going on between law, regulation, civility, and and I think I think the conversation so far has been one-sided. Mm -hmm. would, would you agree, Sam? I, I would agree. And so from my perspective, we always want to be objective and, and give just an objectivity to whatever topic we're discussing. So that's why we brought in our trusted friend, John, here. So, John, thanks for coming in. I know it's uh, kind of last minute, but we appreciate you dropping on dropping on by. Well, anything for y'all two guys, because, you know, I've known y'all for a while, and, yeah. you know, I mean, I know what y'all about, so. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to kick it off. Like, first question, like, last week we talked about what we can do as a society, as a community. So, blue, black, brown, whatever the case may be, there's whatever your occupation is, um, I think we're all faced right now with the time where we can say, like, hey, this is either time for advancement or we're going to just keep doing the same thing. From your perspective, profession aside, how do you see, like, what's transpired over the last 90 days and especially over the last week? Well, within the last 90 days... Um it's been tough because, you know, 
Minnesota, was it, uh, Minneapolis? Yeah. <laughs> that was tough, you know, because at the end of the day, nobody's taught, you know, to do, the, to the, do those actions. Yeah. Um, but, but having Atlanta, again, these are split-second split decisions that, you know, that is made, you know, between how to and when to react. Um, being a man of color and being in the police department, um, I think the issue is that um, one, we need more people of color in the department, especially mm-hmm. dealing with people within our community, mm-hmm. because you know, um, I just think you just need more people of color sure. within, within the department. It doesn't matter if it's Latino, it doesn't matter if it's black or Asian, but you just mm-hmm. need that because I think the influx of having predominantly white officers can create problems sometimes. So, and is that, and is that from, from your perspective, is that from like a fear or is that from like training? I don't know if they can. Yeah. The actions? Yeah. Again, that's, that's tough because it all depends on the size of your city and the, and the people you deal with. Sure. If you grew up predominantly with all whites, you're gonna have a perception about blacks. Sure. And vice versa, if you grew up with all blacks, you're gonna have a perception about, about whites. whites. I think sometimes um, those perceptions can lead to, you know, I guess like just a false sense of, of who people are and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like if you think a certain person's a piece of garbage, you don't think he's a piece of garbage, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Until you really get to know people, um, I think that's um, a problem. That's why, like, um, with this, I guess they, they call this um, now this um, this policing. What, what is it like? Um, 21st century policing, mm-hmm. with more departments having these people actually walk through the um, walk through the, the communities, beat. walk the, walk beat. the beats. Yeah. I think that lets you see people differently than if you're in a car mm-hmm. or on a bike or something like that, because you have to actually interact with people. Mm-hmm. You don't have you, you don't have the opportunity to just get in your car and drive off. Mm-hmm. You actually got to walk and talk and. <laughs> but again, most of the time you're not going to get in situations like that. Yeah. But again, it get it lets you to know who the people in the community are. For sure. Um, some some things you could look at it and see that some is fear based. Yeah. And as I said, sometimes it's just split second decisions that is is life and death. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as a minority police officer, have you witnessed um, any racial type of behaviors from your peers? Um, and if so, how did you handle that? Well, with, with, with the racial issue, I think that um, people try to cross the line. They'll try to joke about certain things, like, you know. You mean amongst 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 Yeah, amongst yourselves. Like, like you'll, in you'll sit in a locker room, a roll call, or, you know, even on the streets, you, you might Can you give us a cross the line. Like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of one. Like when you hear a person say, "Yeah, these guys are like animals and stuff like that." Oh. Sometimes you gotta you gotta draw them back. Like, well, what do you mean these people? Because I'm one of these people. So mm-hmm. like, you can't say stuff like that. You have to check them right off the bat mm-hmm. because if you allow them to think that is okay, right? You know, you gotta let them know that yes, we're in uniform, and yes, we might be a family too. But outside of this family, I still have another family. These people are my family, regardless of how mm-hmm. you want to look at it. You know, like we're not animals; they're not animals. Mm-hmm. Some people are acting crazy, but at the end of the day, they're still human beings, you know? So when you see racism, I think the, the, the best thing to do is to jump on it quickly mm-hmm. um, within things. Um, and you just can't, it, we're not in a day of good old boyism 
where it's just like, okay, just let them slide with it mm-hmm. because we blew. Mm-hmm. You just got to really just so come in. Come more officers are standing up to that type of behavior within, I guess, the culture of the department. Well, again, it all depends. Again, I don't know about every department across the, across, the you know, the U.S., but I know in some, one of the departments I work in that, you know, a lot of people, they, they try to curb that. But again, people still try to try it because it's just something that people will try to do. Well, how come it has been, or tell me, I guess, your opinion as to why it has been allowed so long on the administrative level? Like, how come there hasn't been policies put into place to really correct that behavior so that it doesn't get to the point of, you know, split second decisions that are deadly or just placing your knee on someone's neck and thinking that, okay, I can get away with it? Well, procedural-wise, most departments by the director of procedures would tell you, even in your training, that there's certain things you're not supposed to do. Like, again, if you have a, a baton, that's the wooden stick or the asp, you're, you're supposed to strike in certain areas. Now, conventionally, when you hit the dummy, the dummy's not moving. But when you hit a person, they might move. So there's a possibility somebody might get cracked in the head. There's a possibility. But if you're purposely doing it, then that's the bit of problem coming in. The placing on a knee... Again, as I said, I can't speak for all departments. The placing a knee on the on, on the back of Mr. Floyd's neck is not something that you, is your top procedure. Even laying people down on, on their stomach and then put, being on top of them because there's something that we call excited delirium. Where, again, you're, you're gonna start hyperventilating, you're gonna start breathing funny. So what you try to do is you try to make it comfortable as best for the person when you're making their arrest. Now again, we can Monday morning quarterback what was done right, what was done wrong. In this situation, you can't really say this was anything was done right. Right. You know, but again, policing is is is, is a group of split second decisions. Mm-hmm. Because again, one minute everything could be cool, everybody could be perfectly fine. The next minute, boom. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just with, with your training and with with other things, it takes it, it just takes a split second decision. And mm-hmm. as I said, when people are running and. Stuff like that. Again, I, can't, I'm, I refuse to talk about the Atlanta situation because, again, they're still investigating it. Yeah. Um, is it justified or not? Again, that's, that depends on what their DA and their systems would call sure, it. Sure. But, um, again, that's just another tough one because, as I said, it's not like you've seen this with multiple different races. It just seems like every time you look at it, it's a people of color, a well, black person. Black, black. You understand what I'm saying? You don't see this happening to, the, to, to Johnny down, down the block or... Even Miguel, you understand right. what I'm saying? But when it comes to blacks, it seems like they're always catching the bad end of the stick when it comes to police interactions. And, and so I guess what I'm, I'm trying to understand is if, um, and I know you can't you know, speak on every police department. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it seems like something should be across the board. It shouldn't be necessarily, um, I, I feel it should be more of a federal thing or a nationwide thing versus city, state whatever, it should be certain policies that just is human rights, I think, shouldn't, it shouldn't vary from state to state. So when you're arresting someone, um, I, I'm just trying to understand, like, for instance, let's take Breonna Taylor for a second. Um, it seems like there is a lot of just miscommunication and problems across the board when it comes to procedures and policy, because not only did these cops have the wrong address, but they also had the person they were looking for in custody. And so kicked in the wrong door without, you know, alerting who they were, shot and killed the wrong person. 
and again, this is more so on. It, 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 this is more so on, on a different level than just okay, I'm policing and I'm you know arresting somebody who you know was doing a crime and, and taking them in. Like, how does it get? Why is it to the point that these um, problems keep occurring to our people across the board on so many different aspects of policing? Well, again, that's 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 a tough, uh, extremely tough question. Um, I mean, would you say a lot of people drop the ball? Well, I, I would say I would say in a, in a situation like that again, it, there's anomalies and there's certain anomalies that occur. And and Brianna again was a miss. What was her last name? Taylor. Taylor was, was an anomaly. Most of the time, they vet information better than that. So again, I can't really speak on that because again, I'm not there for it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in your line of duty, if this happened in your district, in, in, our, in our line of duty, if it happened in my district precinct or whatever. Um, most of the time, as I said, you just have to really make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's when it comes to certain things like this. Because, again, as I said, 14 and 1900 are pretty close numbers. Even though it's not acceptable, these things happen. There, there's going to be mistakes that are made. Mm-hmm. When these mistakes are made, even though tragic, that's why you have to have, like, the reform boards. I've seen one in Philadelphia. I've seen yeah. some in Chicago. where you do need to have some form of reform mm-hmm. because you have to make sure that you keep these incidences from occurring at the rate that they are. Yeah, and Louisville changed their mm-hmm. policy and procedure. Exactly. A lot, a, lot a, lot of, a lot of places are starting to get reform. And again, as I said, for we need more younger people within these reform groups, even older people. We need mm-hmm. the communities to come out to help reform because, again, these are old policies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of departments are trying to, to make their policies better. Mm-hmm. But again, it's going to take time. It's well, going to take time. Since you, you know, kind of brought up that issue, do you think that um, defunding, or how do you feel about the defunding the, the police departments or dismantling? Well, I don't, this, this funding and dismantling, again, is a tough issue. I've seen it happen in Camden, and they seem like they came back stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, explain that a little bit. So what exactly happened in Well, Camden? With, with Camden, what they did is because they had so much corruption within their ranks, mm-hmm. and again, I don't know the full no, extent sure. of it, but um, because they had so much corruption in their ranks, they choose to defund their police department. Um, they had, I guess, the state troopers come in yeah. and, and take over until the um, city could come back together and find a way on how to rehire, retrain, and, and, and just change that old culture yeah. of policing, which sometimes you need. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, it's just like, you know, senators or politicians that's been in office for a thousand years. Yeah. Like, how can you relate to me as a young black man or young Hispanic man or young Hispanic woman or black woman if you've been in office for 75 years and you know you need you need that change and I think that reform within the police departments is something that is is coming and it's coming louder because of these tragedies that have had have occurred so um I just think the funding it serves a purpose, but you just can't defund everybody just off of drop of a hat. You have to see where you have to go with it, and really, if you're going to make change, you have to make change. Well, Philly has already. Uh, um, they just passed that they are going to do that, but they're going to allot the money to other programs that Chicago relieve police officers of duties that they feel they shouldn't have been responsible for, um, like the drug issue. Um, and here in Philadelphia, we have a huge drug issue mm. in, you know, the Kensington area. Mm. So would you agree or do you feel that that's a good approach to maybe take some of the 
weight off of the police officers so that they can focus more on policing and reform versus taking on so many different jobs. That's a tough one also because regardless of the fact that is the role of a police officer to take on all those jobs. Because regardless of if you fund it or not, there's still going to be certain crimes, certain things that occur within communities. Um, the funding, again, it, it, is a, I think it would be case by case because some places just can't defund. You understand what I'm saying? Like bigger cities might, I think it'd be difficult for a bigger city like Philadelphia. I think you'll have like 6,500 cops. I know in um, New York, they have um, a couple thousand and so also Chicago. So like the funding big, bigger departments will be a, a, a quite difficult task because you have so many people that have to be um, taken care of. I think defunding might help because it'll, it'll let people know up in, you know, up in the ranks that, listen, this can happen at any time where we lose officers and stuff like that. But um, as I said, we just have to wait and see. And wait and see. I guess on that note, like, what, what, in your opinion, what is the role of a police officer? Like, if, if there was a, if there was a, because people say this all the time, and it's like, you know, firemen have great PR. Like, you've never seen it. <laughs> like, so, like, what, if, 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 if we had to describe, like, what the job of a police officer would be, how would you describe it? Again, it's, it's, it's that's a more fast answer because mm-hmm. sometimes you have to be a social worker. Sometimes you have to be an advocate for somebody who might, you know, be going through family problems as a child or as an as a, as a abusive woman, you know, or, or even a man that just is lost. So mm-hmm. with that, you, you got to be so many different things depending on the day. You know, like mm-hmm. you might be a crisis intervention where somebody's ready to take their own life mm-hmm. or, you know, um, trying to talk somebody from, from shooting somebody else. You know, you have to be an ear to listen to people, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have to be forceful. So there's so many different things like to say, you know, like a firefighter has this role, and yeah, their role is to fight fires and to do this, but as police officers, mm-hmm. your role can change from, from day to day to day. Mm-hmm. Helping grandma, making sure the kids can play on a safe block, mm-hmm. making sure that, you know, even though you know drug trafficking is occurring, you might not have the, 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 the means to arrest those people, but at least try to make it comfortable that the kids can come out and play without worrying about being shot at or, you know, making sure that grandma can walk down the street and go to the store. Mm-hmm without problems, letting people come out and be able to party and have a good time without, you know, violence occurring. So there's so many different roles, so many different hats that one day you could be this, next day you could be that, next day you could be this. So it's, it's just a lot that entails when, when you said, like, what is the role is like. So it sounds, it sounds like, I mean, sum it up, it sounds like climate control. It's yeah. like, yes. you know, how do we maintain uh, a temperament in the neighborhood or maintain a temperament in, uh, in an environment where and it, but none of the things that you meant, listed involved like force it seemed like it was all like anticipatory and preventative and being well there again the pl- policing is proactive and reactive sure 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 and truthfully it should be more proactive than it is reactive right but that's only when the situation allows it to occur. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? The problem that we have now is trust. Because every time you get pulled over, or every time a police officer comes to you, your thought process is, oh my gosh, could this be the day that this officer does something? Well, you know? Yeah, I mean, and as a black man, as somebody that's been pulled over 
in the driver's seat in the pack. Well, actually, never in the driver's seat because I drive really well. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like no. So as somebody that's been pulled over in the driver's seat, been pulled over in the passenger seat, um, I don't know. I, I've always, I've always had in the in the last three instances that's happened. Um, I don't know. That was like the furthest thing from my mind. Like, not like fearing for my life. I don't, I'm not saying that to be insensitive, mm-hmm. but I w- I would say that some of the things that I've seen in some of the videos, not the more recent ones, but just things that people post, like, oh, see, here's another case. I've always some of the videos I was almost like, why, like, why would you give, why would you give so much conflict? Like make the situation some not the not the police but the other person. Mm-hmm. But I think one instance was like the guy wouldn't give the police officer his name, mm-hmm. and he's like I don't have to give you my name and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then so whether or not the police officer's actions after that were justified or followed protocol, I don't know. I'm not a cop, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I, I mean, I was walking down the street the other day. I live in North Philly, and there was like 12 cops like on the block. And a black guy was talking to him, pointing out everything. Like, yeah, you know, this is what happened here. And I started laughing to myself. I was like, I wonder how he was feeling like yesterday or two days before that. Mm-hmm. Like, was he like after police and, you know, I ain't talking to the law. So it's, it's you know, I, like one of the things that I've always prided myself on is like hypocrisy and, and not being hypocritical. And so the last time I got pulled over, I was in the passenger seat and the person that was driving was in the wrong. I mean... He almost burned the stop sign, but a police cruiser was at the other stop sign. It was a four-way stop. Yeah. So he, he, he stopped, but he was like halfway in the intersection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was like, he was like waving the cop. was like, the, the cop flashing, like, no, you go. Mm-hmm. And so he, he continues to drive, and then they followed him for the next four blocks, as they should. Mm-hmm. He was doing 80 on a, in a yeah, residential. Yeah. Right? And so we're like, all right, cool. And again, I was not driving. I was in the passenger seat. <laughs> And they eventually, I guess they ran the tags, they eventually pulled them over. And, you know, full disclaimer, I'm licensed to carry. So I just thought, hey, you know, I'm licensed to carry. Uh-huh. And they took the weapon, they took my driver's license, they took the person in the back seat's license, they took his license, everything came back clean. He came back with my firearm and he was like, do you always keep it off safety? Do you always keep it on cock? I'm like, yeah. And then he kind of made a joke like, mm-hmm. well, you should if you want to fight a chance. And I was like, <laughs> I'm a quick draw. And, then that's, <laughs> and he went about his day, you know, so, and there was a white officer. And But I've also seen it where, you know, I was in college and we were walking back to the dorm and uh, an unmarked van pulled up, stopped like 100 yards short of the stop, stop stoplight mm-hmm. on uh, 54th Street. And a friend of mine, we were coming back from South Street, we got off the 40 bus. He had sprained his ankle earlier that day, um, and so he had a real bad limp. So this unmarked van creeps up, it stops, middle of the block, and you know, first thing I'm thinking of is like, this is this is like a, a kidnap situation. And so my first instinct was like, oh, boom. But I'm like, I remember, you know, Earl can't run. He's, he's <laughs> Earl been limping yeah. since. 
since Woodbine, we, we, we have we have Bird Street. So I'm like, man, Earl can't run. I can't leave him. So they pull, they pull, they hop out. It's like five of them, maybe even six. You know, they got the flood flashlights. Can't see nothing but silhouettes. They got on painter's clothes. Haven't identified themselves. And I'm 19, 20 at the time. And I just have like flashbacks of scenarios that were were similar, but in different instances. And the lead the lead person talking was a was a, a black who later identified himself as a cop, a black officer. At the time, I didn't know mm-hmm. he was an officer. But he's like, "Yo, stop! Don't move! Do this, this and that." And even in that situation, even in that scenario, and this is 2006, 2007 ish. Even in that scenario, I was never, I wasn't like, okay, I'm gonna lose my life. It was, like you said, it's split second decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, what's, what do we need to do to, my first thing was what do I need to do to protect Earl? Cause he's injured, mm-hmm. right? No matter how severe or unsevere, I don't even know that's a word, but the injury is, that's why I stayed back. Mm-hmm. And, Long story short, it got down to the point where he's asking for ID. And we're like, yo, you haven't even identified. Like, who are you? Like, and he's, you know, that's when they finally made it known that they're Philadelphia PD. Um, so I, we give them our student IDs because we're two blocks away from college campus. And he's like, no real ID. Give him my Philadelphia ID. And he's like, oh, you know, he sees the address. It was my grandmother's house. He's like, oh, you're from Dogtown. What you doing over here? And I'm like, we just gave you our student IDs. And this is the black officer, right? And he's like, yeah, but how'd you get here? And at that point in time, that's when it finally like dawned on me, like, okay, this was a prejudice stop, mm-hmm. right? But still not in fear of my life, but more so it was like, okay, cool. This is like a, I guess a targeted stop or whatever the case may be. And, um, at the, end of, at the end of the exchange, it was, all right, yeah, this is why we stopped y'all because there was like a couple of armed robberies in the neighborhood over the last couple of days. And we seen y'all walk in and you fit the description, you know, the same line or whatever the case may be. But the la- as we walked to the, as we walked back to the dorm, the one thing I thought of was like, had Earl's ankle been okay, would we be alive? Yeah. Because I... I would have hauled ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Earl, we out. Because everything up for the first, it might have been only a five minute exchange, mm-hmm. felt like 20 minutes. Wow. The, for the first 90 seconds to two minutes, I'm like, these boys are some, are some kidnap drama. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if, I, if, we, if we dash, all of a sudden that's a chase, a resistant arrest. Then that turns into, you know, us being on the front of the paper. So not until afterward did I ever think like, oh man, all these things could have happened. And then, like you said, in the heat of the moment, it's like, I think we both have a, we both have a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Like police officer, you're, you shouldn't be trying to escalate the situation. And person, you need to be figuring out how to de-escalate that situation as well. Um, and that's how I always approached it, right or wrong. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm just saying for me, 
as a black person, as a black male that's been in scenarios where I probably should have been arrested when I was younger, and they just left to that time where I was like, there's no reason for them to stop us. And we were being harassed. It was always, how do I keep this, this being the coolest situation as possible? And that's how I was approaching. So I understand the, the fear now, but it's also, I mean, a lot of us, it, is it PTSD or is it, is it I mean, I, I don't want to say it's justified because it is to an extent, but it's, it's very, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's tough right now. And it, like to kind of communicate, should a person feel X, Y, and Z in that scenario? And then does that, does that transform into making the scenario a lot more hostile than it should be? Well, uh, the thing is, as you said, there's two parties here. Yeah. Party A is just trying to find out what's going on. Party B is trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. I think when it comes to reform, especially within police departments, now I'm noticing a lot of police departments, now you have to identify yourself even when you jump out the car by having a badge displayed, your vest displayed, something. As it, as it should as, be. As it should be. As it should be. Because, as you said, it could be a kidnapping. It could be anything. anything. You don't know. You might look like somebody that might look like somebody and you get grabbed. Right. So I think that with that, that, that occurs. But I, as for me as an officer and, and talking to other officers and being around other officers, most officers just want to come in, do their little eight hours, 12 hours, do their overtime, go to head home. But when you come and pull over a car and the first thing you get, well, you can't stop me. What the F you doing this? And why are you doing that? And why are you doing this? I, it's like, all oh, that's But that's to my point. That part is, like you said, like that part of escalating the situation. That's where I'm kind of like well, off the boat a little well, bit. Well, I think it really depends on, I mean, you. I think if, if we had people from different areas of the city, everybody would probably have different responses as being, you know, the person who is pulled over by a cop because I think it has to do with where you are in your experience. And also, who you are. I can tell you as a, as a black female, I've had encounters with the police several different times in various different situations. Sure. And I personally never felt that my life was threatened, but I have people very close to me who feel that their lives were like for something as small as a, a traffic stop. Like the, the the cop was, you know, was already in this, you know, escalated state of I'm just gonna make it a problem. You know, like even to the point where talking to people disrespectfully, you know, just something as simple like sure. that that can escalate a situation. So I think that it really as far as what it is that, you know, causes that behavior, I think a lot of it is like you were saying, you know, PTSD, right? Yeah. Um, they're people's experience with cops. You know, people, uh, even though we have seen these particular um, stories, there are a lot more that goes on on a daily basis that we don't see in here. No, absolutely. So I think it, it's when you see people in that defense, it's like, it, it's like, okay, I, I have to do something. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? A lot of people, I know a lot of black people started to try to learn their rights because they didn't know any other way to do it because people have been reporting police for a long time, but nothing has been done, at least where we could see it, you know? So I think that people are on the defense because they don't know what else to do. What else is my option? No, I, I, and I get that. And I think that, you know, the, the stop before the last stop, it was kind of that scenario 
Um, but again, it was, I think, I don't want to say he was trying to instigate, but it was definitely, but he was trying to tell me things that weren't right. And I was just like, no, I don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, because at the, at the time, when he, when he pulled me over, he got my license and then he went, ran the license. And when you run the license, you see everything. Yeah. Like, oh, then he came back and like, oh, you, you, uh, you can carry. You have a permit to carry. Yeah, I do. He's like, are you, do you have it on you now? Yes, it is. And so then he tried to like go and say like, well, I can take it from you and do all this stuff because you didn't make it known. And that's why I'm like, you know, so those types of things where, you know, where somebody, again, the other person, like like, uh, John said, there's two parties involved. Like how you take the bait Sometimes, and I'm not. I'm not saying people are at fault for like what happens to them. What I'm saying is like, I've been in scenarios where, and then again, when I was young in my teens, where I, we we should have been arrested. We and they had every right to to pull up suspicious, and you know, I, I, in any scenario, it's kind of like, man, my thing is like. Give enough information so they can leave. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all right, what do you need? What do you need? But I think that's... that's de-escalate. I think in certain situations, it's just not possible to de-escalate the situation. Because I think sometimes police officers, and I'm not saying all, Mm -hmm. but some of them have that motive. And I I have, you know, a couple of friends and family members who have been on the force. And they've told me, like, well, we got to meet quotas and we got to do this and we got to do that. I get that. And so that, too, can make them maybe you know, not make the best decisions and be a little aggressive just to try to fulfill whatever quota they have to fill or whatever, you know, people are telling them to do. So I think to I think to de-escalate the situation is on the, the police the policeman or woman's part because they are the dominant figure in that situation. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like they're responsible to make that person feel comfortable versus the other way. And there are situations no, yeah, that yeah, happen where, yeah. you know, cops had to pull the trigger. And it, and it was understandable, you know. At the end of the day, like he said, they just want to get home to their families like everyone else, you yeah. know, does. And there are people who are not, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. And they take out um, their angers and stuff on police, on the police department. But And that's the part where I'm kind of like... That's where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand the instance because, like you said, if you, if you're, if you're given an energy, and it's not, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying if you're given an energy, and we already know that these, this is the climate, mm-hmm. that fuse is is being ignited, mm-hmm. and so I think. We are we are targeted and we are in a situ- situation and where devalued. and devalued. So with that being said, how what's the most intelligent way to get out of this scenario? Because like I said, man, had Earl been alright, we not having we may not be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And that was because those guys were probably looking to bang mm-hmm. that night. Yeah. I got we got lucky. Cause he was hurt, and we didn't take off. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that, which was a very hostile situation, yeah. I mean, it was very hot. I don't, I don't know if I'm. 
I'm not trying to paint a picture to be more of a than what it was, but it was it was hostile. It was like five guys, six guys, six three. And it could it sounds like it could have easily been a terrible misunderstanding. Yo, crazy. But you gotta remember when people give information to police officers, their information is shabby as heck. So, for instance, if, if, I, if I receive a report of, of, of robberies occurring in a certain area, sure. they're going to say 5'7 to 6 foot. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, that's a <laughs> large <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> Most people wearing, again, they have people that, <laughs> that, 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 that have summer wear. What's the summer wear? A white tee and what you call it? Right. White tee and jeans or shorts. What's the summer wear? Black hoodie and the winter wear. So, they have gear that certain sits certain people. So if I'm an officer going out there looking for a robbery suspect and I have this long range to look at, that's what I'm going off. It's not like it's like, okay, well, the guy has a mole on his left nose (laughs) and he has four fingers. Like, they're not giving information. All it is is just like if you watch The Wire something like that, BGG, but it was a big-ass gun. (laughs) That's all it is. So now, again, nobody's worried about your description. They're worried about that gun or, or that Attitude. If I have my hand in my pocket, I say, "Give it up." Right. They can't remember nothing. You don't remember anything. All you know is I gave up my iPhone, forty-five dollars, fifteen cents, and a pack of six. Yeah. So when you look at these things again, it's not that a lot of times people are being targeted. It's again, this is information you have, and when you have a crew or a group of guys that are just doing these robberies in certain areas. Your biggest thing is you want to get them off the streets. Yeah. Because if this person has a, a has a firearm, you don't know if it's linked to a shooting. You don't know if it's linked to a homicide. Mm-hmm. You don't know what these people are doing. So the whole thing is you're just trying to get them off the street mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. As an officer, if I'm in my car and an officer pulls me over, my hands are directly on the steering wheel, all my windows are down. Not because I fear for my life, but because if he's he, the more information he gets, the more infam- the way he feels more comfortable, and then we can interact. And that's and that's always been my stance. Like yeah. I got pulled over. That's the thing. I got pulled over in the middle of the night. I turned the light on, rolled the windows down, and you know, look, you can see, like I'm X, Y, and Z. And so is my my thing has always been as a black as a black man, and you know, a friend of mine got pulled over because he he drove like a certain car that they identified as being related to. Uh, drug activity and this guy, and but he worked at a pharmaceutical company. Like he was, he worked third shift. He was just coming home in the middle of the night from working. You know, like he literally makes, um, what do you call it? Um, Minimum wage. No, he oh, literally yeah. makes uh, enzymes. Oh, like he's a scientist, wow. but he just he but he lived in Kensington at the time. So he's coming home in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Like this is what he, because he worked third shift. Yeah. But he drove. He drove a Chevy Impala. Chevy Impala. Yeah. There's just certain cars that certain people. And but they had they had him detained for four hours because they searching his car and everything. And but but my, the point I'm trying to make was, yeah, all that with all that going wrong and all the instances where everything is like, man, this is, you know. Like you said, being composed and being understanding, like I do, I too have a part to play in de-escalating this. I'm not saying that the things that have happened to all the people that have been harmed are just that none of them are justified at all. Because I could have been one of those people. Yeah. And you mentioned like the firearm situation. I had a firearm on, on me when I was 17. 
that wasn't mine. We had just acquired it. And it probably did have bodies on it because it didn't even have a clip in it. And it, it, it had one in the head. It was probably hot. And the cops pulled up on us. And the first thing I could think of was like, they've been smoking. It's probable cause all over the place for a search. And that's five to seven. Right? And after that night, that's when I was like, you know what? Why are you playing? You've already been accepted into St. Joe's. Just... Just, just bide your time and just go ahead. Yeah. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. But even in that scenario, even in the scenario I described before, even in all these other scenarios, as a black man, probably with officers that may have, I mean, because that one, I, it was like 10 of us, and there was only two of them. Mm. So in all of these scenarios, my, my train of thought wasn't to be afraid. It was to be like, I guess opposite, like how calm can I be to make sure that these guys aren't afraid to make sure I can go home? But I think too, like even just, I'm not gonna say you can't necessarily compare yourself, but I mean, you're very articulate. You have, you were on your way to St. You had St. Joe's as an option. So I think when they're pulling over a lot of these young black men, Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily in that same space that you I mean, want I was, to be able to you know have that understanding that they need to be a certain way especially if they're in a community where they constantly see you know be police being not even always abusive physically but verbally just feeling devalued um i, I think it's it's a huge difference like even though i never fear for my life i've had bad encounters too with police officers like and, and this was this particular incident was maybe about 15 years ago. I was young, and my girlfriend and I, we decided to go to New York. Now, she's, I'm 5'1", mm-hmm. always been short, you know, little little thing. She was about 5'7", blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, we're driving around. This was before GPS was on the cell phone. And she told me she knew her way around the city. We didn't need to, you know, get a GPS or anything. We get there, she couldn't figure out how to get mm-hmm. out of the city, which I, I couldn't understand. So there was a cop, you know, just sitting off to the side in his car. And he was a black cop. And she was like, you know, excuse me, officer, can you tell me how to get to the Holland Tunnel or the Lincoln Tunnel? Why not? Yeah. And he said, I can, but I'm not. And he gave us this look like, get the out of my face. And so we were just like, she was like, really? Like, really? That's what you're going to do? For sure. And he, he was like, yeah, rolled his window up and started eating a sandwich. And even though he we didn't fear for our lives, our lives because, you know, we at that point, we were just like, whatever. We felt... Disrespected. Very, very much so. Yeah. Because all we did was ask for directions because we kept going in a circle. Yeah, and that's... And, and to your point, like, I'm, like I was saying is... The actions of the police officers are their actions, and they should be held accountable for yeah. them. And in that scenario, like I was in a, I got in a fight in New York, and the, like undercovers came up, and they seen the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, prior to going to St. Joe's, that was my, that was my DNA. My DNA was, we was in the streets. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I made that decision that night that it wasn't worth it because that was like the closest time I came to being arrested for the activity that we was doing. 
and like I've had I've had a lot of encounters with 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 the law, mm-hmm. um, and you know, like you said, you in those scenarios you got fight or flight, yeah. And some and everybody's not equipped to handle high pressure situations. Yeah. And in that scenario, that cop just being a jerk, he's being an asshole. Yeah, it's always but, gonna be an asshole. Have we not been equipped. Yeah. And that he popped off, been, yeah, and it could have been, been a totally different situation. But I feel because of the, the the stance of like the position that police officers are in, the burden should fall on them first. I agree because people. I mean, you you just don't know. Just like you know, a couple of police officers have said to me, "Well, we don't know who we're pulling over," and I'm like, "And we don't know who's pulling us over." No, you know, I agree. We don't know what happened to you. We don't know if you got a pink slip if you on your way out the door and you about to go out with a bang. <laughs> we don't know. So I feel like the burden is on them to make us feel comfortable because I think it would be a natural response for people to say, okay, he's chilling, now I can chill. No, I agree. Now, to add to that, and again, I hear both of y'all, your your grievances, (laughs) but an officer's on the street for 10 hours a day. As I said, and I understand, you know, they got a thing. They're people too. We're people too. You don't know if we just saved a child's life you don't know, we just lost a child's life. So th- these are all the things that, again... But that's a the, two-way street. Like, I, I'm a parent. I understand, but... You don't know if I as, lost my child. You don't know if my child's in the hospital sick. You don't know if I'm getting a divorce. You don't know but if as I lost a, my mama. You don't know... But as, but as an officer, the hats that are worn by the officer... And again, I'm, I'm not justifying saying, oh, well, this, they, they have a right to do this or not to do this. But as an officer, you have multiple hats. And then sometimes people come and ask us the weirdest questions. Again, it doesn't justify the right. But they're, oh, well, the Lincoln Tunnel. But how the hell you got Philadelphia tags or Jersey tags? You should know how to get to the Lincoln Tunnel. Excuse me. Especially we during the course. We it doesn't matter yet or not. During the course. During the course. of it was like maybe only my second time being in New Have you ever had a day where you worked all day? And then somebody come and ask you just the silliest yeah, thing, my and kids, just every single time. and you just snap like, dude, like what? No, I don't feel like helping right now. Just go about your business, and I then mean, later on you think about not, it, like, not oh wow, when I'm working, not when I'm working, no. Well then, and, and, how about well, you? Wait a minute, Dom? I can't. I well, no, can't I, I, I to that because John the Tuesday. No, I dis I disagree, John. I disagree because everybody, like, if you if you're a trained professional in your craft, I dis I mean. That even even, even down even down to like even down to working at checkers at KFC yes. at the cashiers right yeah you've been on your feet twelve hours you signed up for it ain't nobody put a gun in your head trained professional or not again we're, we're trained professional or but not but that's the argument are there days that you had a long day let, let sure. and you snapped I'm a business owner he's a business owner and I told my staff all the time you will not make that decision. You come and get me and let me make that decision, but you will not make that decision. Because it is in when you're dealing with customers, you have no way of knowing where that person is, with their state of mind or anything. Your job is to maintain the environment of the of the business. And so you can't necessarily take it upon yourself to to dish that out because sometimes all a person needs is to be heard, they need to be comforted, and they change themselves. And I've done that a lot with people. Like, no, 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 we're not going to come back here. But my staff knew the protocol. If there's something you can't deal with, you come and get me. The question is, have you ever, during the course of your day, working, snapped on somebody unjustly because... 
haven't. You have. How about you? Have you ever? Have you ever called a time where you were just you had a long day or whatever, and just somebody come and say something in you? No, not a not a not, Not a consumer. consumer. Well, listen. I, I'm serious. I have. There have been days. If have I, I felt did, like it? Sure. There have been days where I might have popped off the wrong lip because, again, as I said, I just came from either a homicide, a kidnapping, a, a woman who just got burglarized, and you're pissed. Yeah. And then somebody comes and asks you a simple question. It's like, don't go to, like, you can't get there, but this woman's dealing with this situation. So, again, again, I'm not justifying it. Yeah. But these are just things that just occur. <laughs> you no. can say in a way you are, but again, that the, the multiple hats that police officers but wear makes it hats. extremely I mean, difficult at times. And again, this is just the job. We're not even talking about the personal life, the wife getting on nerves, the kids doing this, <laughs> the, the, the ex well, asking for extra oh, alimony. But look, so, well, look, <laughs> well, look, well, look, well, look, well, look, well, look, man, we, you know, I mean, I think, but... You know, all jokes aside, mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the question that the country is asking right now. Mm-hmm. Is are our men and women that are patrolling are they mentally and emotionally and physically equipped to take on that job? All of what you're talking I, about. I think that I think they are, but there are instances where judgment lapses. Judgment but is that because of training, or is that because of training? Sometimes dealing with what you said, like yes, with, I think. So I'm sorry. I think it's just the totality of everything. Dealing with all those emotions, dealing with everything that occurs during the course. That sometimes judgments are lapsed. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to take somebody's life innocently. For sure. So you part know? of the defunding that a lot of people and why they're pushing it is because they want to implement other. Um, I guess resources into the police department like social workers so that they answer calls with you so instead of you dealing with that you know person who's having a mental breakdown they can deal with that and then you can go on to other things do you think that would be a good way um for this pressure that cops are on only if they only if they equip it right because with a city that runs 24 7 that means you're going to have to have staff that's 24 7 absolutely and you're going to have to I'm not sure because I know for um, from one of the departments I'm I'm at DHS shuts down at a certain time. But they so, still have a so they have they have to you know like they have other other um, things. But even the hotline, again, sometimes those crises people don't want to talk. You need a, a physical person there. So it really really depends on the situation sure. and, and how you look at it. Because yes, you could defund it, but it's now that money being put in place properly to help out with these issues. Yeah, so I'm because we, you we think that would be a place that it would be put properly to have assistance like social work um, social workers answering calls with you guys that are like domestic related or mental health, you know. I'm not sure because as I said, there's with mental institutions, there's to deal with the reform, there's so many different things you have to also peel back because you when you deal with mental, again, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have enough information or even enough knowledge to. It's a big. To, it's a big. It's a big onion. There's yes, a it's a big layers. onion. Yes. And, yes. you know, I think that you know, first, well, first and foremost, John, thank you so much for no, no you know, being here and being transparent as much as you could be, at least. Uh, there's a lot of questions that everybody's trying to ask. And, you know, at CGM Lounge, you know, we're all about, like, just that objectivity. So I think that you, um, I would say, from my perspective, I think you did a great job of Absolutely. presenting from your perspective as a um, black officer, um, you know, what you think, what you've seen, and what you can attest to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
I think, you know, the, the country right now is like asking like, what can be done with preparation, with training? Is the training adequate? Are the people adequate? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to see what's going on over the next months and years to see what happens and how it changes. But, um, you know, this is, the show's been, this episode has been uh, really revealing. And, and uh, I think that the last two have been a little different step for CGM Lounge for our listeners because we normally talk about business, but it's just so, so much going on culturally in our country um, that we that we felt it was important to bring on the last two guests and kind of take the time to talk about these things so we can rally around some points. Um, last, last thing I want to say is uh, Juneteenth's tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, um, before the show. So a couple cities around the nation are giving, uh, making Juneteenth a holiday. How do you feel about that? Well, it's, 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 I think it's a, a step in the right direction because you have to acknowledge what, what has occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, should have happened a long time ago, but I think it's a, a, a step in the right direction. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I feel like, you know, we're kind of being pacified. Sure. uh, More than anything. But, you know, I think that it's something, it's bringing up something that needs to be talked about. You know, my kids ask me, what is Juneteenth? So, you know, now I have the dialogue with them. And we're actually putting together um, a celebration tomorrow, my sisters and I with the African cuisine. Yeah. You know, we're cooking everything. We're going to have our, you know, kids involved. So it gives us the opportunity to really start communicating and teaching our children what exactly that is and why it was necessary to happen. No, I mean, and like you said, I think the biggest thing that we always want from our listeners and, you know, our people, our community, is to always, like, investigate and dig deep. And like Absolutely. you said, pacify, I think, is... I, I call it like euthanasia the other day. I was just like, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like, okay, cool. Like a tranquilizer dart. I feel like it was like a tranquilizer dart to say like, okay, cool, calm down. This is something that, like we, for as long as we've been here, we've gotten consolation prizes or whatever the case may be. Don't let this be a consolation prize. Because I don't think any of these guys that wound up at the bottom of a police officer's boot or in a chokehold or whatever the case may be. All the stuff that we were fighting for and protesting about, I don't think the outcome that they wanted was for Juneteenth to become a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, like this guy said, it's a step in the right direction, but don't let it don't let it nullify yeah. what really we need to start doing is like thinking about economic inclusion, thinking yes. about... Like we talked about reform with how the judicial system is, mm-hmm. how the laws are enforced. Education. Education. I think we need to really start controlling that curriculum in our, you know, in our schools. In our schools and what, what it looks like and giving our kids the opportunities. I think some of the funding needs to go back into extracurricular activities, you know. Um, and to add to that, I think some of the funding also need to go back to prisons to help people when they come out to find meaningful um, work, meaning, yeah. meaningful jobs and stuff like that. Absolutely. I really think that that would help also because if you give people options, then they, yeah. they don't have to, they don't, they don't have, have to go recidivism, recidivism yeah. decreasing. Yeah. 
So, guys, that was today's episode of CGM Lounge. John, thank you so much. Sam, thank of you. course. I mean, this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed it, and stay tuned for next week.